ahead. If you have a Bible, go ahead and grab it. We're going to be in John chapter 6, and we are going to be looking at verses 22 through 27. And this morning, we are diving into a discourse that is going to take us uh, roughly eight weeks. Uh, If you're just joining us or or you've visited at one point, we've been in a study through the Gospel of John. And we're going to be in this study for quite some time, uh, as many who uh, are faithfully uh, members of this body can tell you. We're taking some time to really go through and see who Jesus is. And so we're going to spend roughly the next eight weeks in the chapter, uh, in chapter six of the Gospel of John. And we've really broken this down this way to look closely at what is happening in this text. That we've seen in the first 21 verses of John chapter 6, what has really happened the day before what we see now in in the text that we'll get to today. That in the first, uh, especially 15 verses, Jesus had a large crowd with him and he fed over 5,000 people with just five loaves of bread and a few fish. And really, that was a sign that pointed to him as the bread of life. And we know this because Jesus pointed us to this truth in five other verses. He didn't just say it once, but he said it five different ways in five other verses in chapter 6 alone. In verse 35, he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. He says in verse 41, I am the bread that came down from heaven. In verse 48, I am the bread of life. In verse 51, I am the living bread that that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And then also in verse 55, he says, my flesh is true food. And so even before our text, we are really pointed very specifically to the fact that Jesus will always be there for his disciples to care for them. And really, he showed this by, in this miracle, in this sign, seeing to it that the 12 full baskets that were left over were there for the disciples. And so the miracle had a a public message for all, but really also a personal lesson for the disciples. And further, last week, we looked at really a brief story that that stood out between Jesus feeding the 5,000 and the discourse where Jesus says he is the bread of life. And where we see him uh, walk on water in the story that we learned last week really is that he comes near to his disciples to comfort them and to speak truth to them. And so really last week, if you were here, our big resolve, the main theme, what I really wanted to point us to in the text was that in the midst of darkness and chaos, Jesus comes near to us and he alone is enough. That his provision and his presence really leads us to a resolve that only comes from Jesus Christ. That, wherever we, that, that whatever we walk through or face or are presented with, Jesus is enough. And so this is what we learn even further in our text, but what we learned last week. And so as we move into our text today, what we're really going to begin to examine is the further response and the pursuit of the people that Jesus performed this miracle for. And really, we'll see the difference between those that seek Jesus because of what they can get 
and those that seek him because of who he is and how much they love him. And so as we go to read our text and apply it this morning, what we're going to learn is that in our motivations to seek Jesus, he exposes our true desires and points us to what endures. This morning, if you are taking notes, those are your fill in the blanks, that in our motivations to seek Jesus, he exposes our true desires and points us to what endures. And so we're going to read in John chapter 6, starting in verse 22. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. And other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, this morning as we come before you and we read your word and we seek to apply your word, God, I pray that in this time you would really examine the motivation of our hearts. That you would really expose not only what's going on in us, that, that you are, are, are wanting to rede- redirect or, or correct or really reset, but God, also... Uh, that God, in our brokenness, in our, in our failures, in our successes, in our wants, in our needs, that we would just come before you genuinely laying that before the Lord Jesus Christ. God, I thank you for this morning and, and, and for your word. And even as it was prayed in, in, in the beginning of this morning in our uh, time of prayer before service, I pray that you would use me as a vessel and just get me out of the way. That, God, we would be pointed to your word, to your truth, and who you are. That we would seek you genuinely. So, God, we thank you for this morning and for this time. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. So as we begin to look at this passage, and specifically verses 22 through 27 as our text today, Something I always find uh, interesting, and, and the more I study, almost kind of get a, a little giddy about, is, is really in examining the information of travel and location in the text. Because I think these things can often tell us more than we realize. That there is so much being communicated that we can see with careful study a clear reason for the information laid before us regarding the travels. And what I believe we learn primarily in the first couple verses of the text is really the motivation of the people that are seeking Jesus. 
Remember, as I said at the beginning of our time just a few minutes ago, that that Jesus fed over 5,000 people with just five loaves of bread and a few fish. And really, this was a miracle, a sign that pointed to a greater reality. But by what we saw earlier as well, they, they completely missed what he was doing in this. In fact, verse 14 of John chapter 6 tells us that when the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. And so their motivation is really that he can care for their physical need and their earthly desire. And so this is ultimately why they are seeking Jesus. And as, they, as we saw in verse 22 that we just read, that it says, On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away with him. Now, I find it interesting that as the crowd is seeking him, there is a distinction between his disciples that were with him on the boat and the people who are unaware in some sense to where he is. Now, I don't desire to make some deeper application to the text that, that may not be there, but what I believe we are going to see evidenced in the rest of the chapter is that the means by which you and I seek Jesus reflects our motivation. Really, the means by which we are seeking him reflects and really exposes our motivation to seek him. And so really, is it for food or or political leader reign like the people in the text? See, if this is the case, then then really you and I are going to want Jesus to be a, a provider for all the things that we want and we think we need. But, but is it for eternal life, for rescue and redemption from sin and death? Then really what that means is that you and I are going to seek him for who he is, no matter what he says or how he provides. That our lives are going to be dedicated and ultimately devoted to him. And so this is really the tension that is going to begin to be seen by those that are seeking Jesus in the text. And so let me ask you, for you and I to kind of uh, have a moment of understanding as we look at this, what is the driving motivation for you seeking Jesus? What are you seeking and what are you searching for? See, the problem is that where where many say they are seeking Jesus and wanting to know him, their motivation really reveals that they are really not after him. They are really not ultimately after relationship with him, but his stuff, his miracles, his, his signs, his provision of food. And so this is what is happening in the text and what Jesus is going to address with the crowd. That really, they just wanted to be close enough to Jesus to get his benefits, but not so close that it would require sacrifice. And see, in that, they had missed the most important reason to seek Jesus. That really, they were seeking him for their own need and hoping that they would be filled. And really, this is even a concern for us, church. See, some are seeking a Jesus that is really just a reflection of themselves. 
I mean, this is a constant danger. And even more so since we often simply do not open the Bible and look at the scriptures to listen and to learn what the testimony of Jesus is that he says about himself. And so we often don't study, we don't seek, we don't examine the scriptures. Rather, what sometimes we do is make a Jesus into our own image that's usually domesticated and buddy off in the corner. And sadly, in that, most of what dominates Christian uh, media and even teaching seems to fall into that category. And that is concerning. And so church, let me tell you, any Jesus who isn't Savior and Lord, sacrificial Lamb of God and reigning King, cannot be the Jesus of the Gospels. Any Jesus who does not call us to radical and sacrificial and yes, even difficult obedience cannot be the Jesus of the Bible. And so again, what is the driving motivation for you seeking Jesus? What are you seeking? What are you looking for? See, really, your motivations are either going to drive you deeper into relationship with your creator or or it is going to drive you deeper to what you want and even what you think you need regardless of your creator. See, this is what we find in the text that in the following two verses, we learn further that their motivation for seeking Jesus is based on what he did, not on who he is. In verses 23 and 24, we learn that the other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. And verse 24 says, So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, They themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. So in the morning, on the next day, the crowd can't find Jesus, according to verse 24. And so they're going and looking for him. And where they find him is in the synagogue. And we know this because we see this later in verse 59 that says, Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. And here in the synagogue and in the following two verses, we really see Jesus expose their true desire. In verse 25 that we read, it says that when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Now again, what is interesting to me here is that they considered and called him prophet before, which we saw back in verse 15. And now they call him rabbi, which means teacher, here in verse 25. See, this is really an example of what happens when there are those that are seeking Jesus, not for who he is, but for what they might want or what they think they need. See, when you seek Jesus for who he really is, his many names continually draw you to his character and his might and his awesomeness and his deity, that he is the word, the logos, the light that shines in the darkness, the son of God, the Messiah and savior, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. See, these names draw us 
deeper to know him. And really, these are just some of the names we have learned in our study of the gospel of John. But see, when you come with false motivations, then what you call him more displays how you view and how you treat his lordship. See, this shows in the, really the shifting of titles in our text between verse 15 and verse 25. That really they looked at him and are seeking him as bread giver, not as life giver. They're looking to him as teacher, but not savior. But even further, it's really Jesus's response to the crowd in verse 26 that exposes their true desire and motivation for seeking Jesus. That in verse 26, Jesus answered them by saying, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. See, here's where we get to the heart of the issue. And really, the heart of the issue is the issue of the heart. That they are seeking because they ate their fill of the loaves of bread that Jesus multiplied. And what we find in this is that what we actually need and what we think we need are not always the same thing. But we know this as parents with our kids, right? What they think they need and what we know they need are not always the same thing. And really, this is often a a motivator for people who have claimed to follow Jesus. That they were told at one point of this great Savior who wants to forgive you and save you and free you and bring you into his family because he loves you so much and in that he just wants you because you're awesome. And then he wants to give you this, uh, this amazing life where the, where the two of you are just buds. And, and then we're told that he does all of this to make your life great. But really, when those things are claimed, where are all of those things in the Bible? See, all of this is is often presented as come and see, not repent and believe. And really, all of that dangerously, when it's just empty claims and not biblical truths, it just points to what really you feel you need. And here in this, this text exposes that idea And tells us that the wrong motivation for seeking Jesus is pursuing what we want and what we think we need. Now let me say that some of those things that I have said have have biblical principles to them. And so are they good? Yes. But the way that is presented is often about catering to the felt need, not the real eternal need. And so let me just walk you through this, that For us to ask, is Jesus a great Savior? Yes. He is a great and mighty Savior whose atoning work on the cross is perfect. Does he forgive and save and free? Yes. When you repent from your sin and believe upon him as Lord and Savior. And does he bring you into his family? Yes. In fact, we learn this back in John chapter 1, in verse 12, when John wrote in his prologue that to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So when you receive him and believe in his name, 
He gives you the right to become children of God. Now see, maybe some will say, but, but I've been blessed and God has provided both physical and, and spiritual needs for me in a mighty way. So you're saying what, what I'm longing for at times is wrong? Not at all. If you're seeking the will of the Lord and he provides, praise God. Remember what we saw from the first 21 verses is that he blessed and he served and he cared. But when we seek him, what I want you to understand is he is not going to make it all about caring for your felt needs. He is going to point you to himself even in the physical care. And really, that is an intense struggle and almost a pull for us. That even in the life of the believer, there is this pull towards satisfaction and fill in the temporary. I mean, think about how true this is in the miracle that Jesus performed. That really, what we are seeing in our text this morning is the motivation of how they interpret the miracle. That when the crowd saw the loaves and and felt the pleasure of a full stomach and thought about what it would be like to have a king and a prophet who would really reign and fill their stomachs like this every day, they were thrilled. But that was not really the point of the miracle. It was to draw them to himself. And again, this is what we see all throughout the Gospel of John that it is not necessarily the sign that is significant, but what the sign points to. It's not necessarily the sign, but what the sign points to, which is Jesus' glory manifested, where he then points us to belief in himself. So see, my point here is that if you are truly and genuinely seeking Jesus then that will be evident in the motivations that you have. And that is true both here in this space and in your daily relationship with Jesus. And so let me ask you again, what is the driving motivation for you seeking Jesus? What are you seeking and what are you searching for? Again, here in the text, they, they, they looked at him and are seeking him as bread giver, not life giver. And really, there are many like this crowd who claim to follow Jesus that are not actually following Jesus. That really, they like the idea of Jesus, but they do not truly believe in Jesus for eternal life. And the reality is that that's not just those outside of the church, but that is true of some attending the churches. And so understand, Jesus has made it incredibly clear in the many times he has talked about truly believing and truly seeking him. And even further, he's going to make it really clear in the following verse, that he desires fully committed followers who are seeking him and understand the cost of following him. Really, those that understand that it is not seeking out and running towards the things that he gives, but seeking after and running towards him. Because only in Christ do we find true nourishment. See, this is what he begins to explain in the final verse of our text today. 
that Jesus points them to what endures. That he says in verse 27, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you, for on him God the Father has set his seal. See, Jesus does not just expose their wrong motivations, but he points them to himself and what endures. And in the beginning of the verse, he encourages them to not work for the food that perishes. Now, when we read that, there's a tension because there is an element of life where we have to work and we earn a living and and we need to provide for our families. And so that question kind of comes up, is, is Jesus saying that we need to not work? He's not saying that. And so if we use that as a proof text to not work, we're doing failure to our exposition. And so we know he doesn't mean quit your jobs or, or stop working. And really, we even know this further because of the evidence in the rest of the New Testament. I mean, we see this especially in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28, with those that don't work, that Paul is calling to work. When he says in verse 28, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. So here, I do not believe that Jesus is saying, go quit your job. And this also does not mean don't bring home the bread from your jobs. But when he says, do not labor for the food that perishes, he's pointing to a greater truth. And so what he means is here is that Jesus is showing that none of that sustains and nourishes. That we can labor to get all of those things, but they will never satisfy, and ultimately, none of that saves you. And so if you build up your life around the hope that any of that will save you, you will only be left with the food that perishes. But what does he say to pursue? See, at the next part of verse 27, he says, the food that endures to eternal life. This is what we should pursue, which the Son of Man will give to you. Now, you may be someone who's sitting here, and if you do not believe in Jesus, and you do not follow Jesus, and he is not Lord of your life, this probably seems odd to you. This probably seems a little uh, interesting since before you heard this message, you thought life is fine. Life is no problem. And you probably wonder if life is fine, why do I need this other life? See, looking further at the text, when we look beyond our own language, we learn much more. See, in the Greek, there are a couple ways to talk about life. In English, we, we only have one. And so I I could come to you and I could ask you two different questions with very different meanings, but use the same root word for life. In fact, I could come to you absolutely freaked out and ask, are you alive? Or I could come to you casually and say, hey, how's life? See, in Greek, they have different words to express those different meanings and ideas of life. And one of the words for life in Greek is the word bios, which is where we get our word biology, or brivos. 
And that really means physical life, material life. And the other word for life is zoe or zoe, meaning a life that goes beyond the physical and really an eternal life. And so here, Jesus is using the second zoe. And John, in his writing, gives us clarity in his gospel that while the people are looking for the food that perishes, Jesus is offering a food that gives zoe life. And the problem that the people saw is not the problem that Jesus saw. That Jesus showed them their need. That really, while they were concerned with their stomachs, he was concerned with their hearts and their belief. That they were seeking a bios problem, but Jesus was showing them their need, which was a zoe solution. See, friends, I, I, I imagine this is something that we have once found ourselves in. And really, in that, we are, we are not far off from the same problem of those we see in the text. Because really, our, our human tendency is to minimize our problems. We do this all the time. And then, really, we look for a solution to that problem that we can then control and manage. And so really how this plays out is by looking to find life in anything and everything that we hope will satisfy, which really when we do that, it results in a wrongful pursuit of life in hopes that we're going to find self-satisfaction when really we end up being increasingly dissatisfied. And so we try to pursue relief from the circumstances and the pains of life only to be driven deeper into depression and addiction. Where we're seeking out further these pleasures of life, these lusts of life in the flesh, all while feeling empty and lost. Where even we're seeking affirmation through the, the opinions and the thoughts of others, really seeking those who really don't care about us. We see this all the time and those that are deeply insecure, longing for relationship. But see, in our text, what Jesus is saying is that whatever you're looking to for life, that is what you're feasting on. Whatever you're looking to for life, that is going to be what you pursue for nourishment. That's what you're looking to. That's what you're really seeking. And see, if you find your life in the things that perish, you will never be filled. Really, what that means is that that high is going to wear off. That pleasure is going to be passing quickly. Those compliments you are seeking are going to fade. And that nourishment will perish. Because ultimately, none of those things will fill you. Because what you need is a Zoe solution for Zoe need. See, when Jesus is talking about the food that endures to, to eternal life, he is speaking of a greater life in himself that is all-encompassing of life. And really, this again is how Jesus is pointing even us to himself in this text. Really, as he will say later in verse 35, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. 
See, church, Jesus is the food that will never perish. And when we seek him and when we trust him and when we feast on him, we have life. And so the bread of life is extended to us to take where we can then seek what endures. And really, only in Christ is this life found that no other bread will satisfy and no other life will save. In fact, look at what we see Jesus say at the end of verse 27. It is that when we genuinely seek eternal life in him alone, he says, the son of man will give to you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. Church, did you... Do you catch that? Do you grasp that? That the Son of Man will give to you that which endures, that the Father has set his seal to. See, there are all kinds of us in the room. And what I mean by that is in regards to where we're at with Jesus. Some of us hear those things and we're profoundly moved in the midst of seeking Jesus. Some of us are, are going, I, I, I'm not moved by that at all, and I don't believe. And some of us are in the, the room going, I, I believe, I, I'm just not moved, and we're just absolutely stagnant. And maybe for you, you thought that before today, that you had life all figured out. In fact, young men, I know that to be true of us all the time. Maybe you actually see that life is a mess and you've been pursuing that which perishes. See, my prayer for you is not that all of your life would be perfect and the way you want it to be. Not that you would get all that you want or that you would seek that which makes you happy or motivates you personally in your desires and in your wants, but that you would seek the most important life ever, which is extended by the Son of Man for those who would believe upon him. See, when the Bible speaks of a person believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, it is far more than, than simply and, and intellectually acknowledging that Jesus is Lord and Savior. See, this is a vital part of it, but it is so much more because it also involves a commitment to him as Lord and Savior in our lives. That really, it's a willingness to turn all of our life, including our, our dreams, our goals, our ambitions, over to Jesus to follow him wherever he leads. That this kind of commitment can only come from the work of God in our hearts. I mean, we've already seen this many times in the Gospel of John. And so really, brothers and sisters, this is laid before us by Jesus in this text. That really, we are either going to seek what endures or seek what will perish. And so let me ask you, are you hungry? Seek him. Are you done making this life about you? Seek him. 
Do you see your need for life that endures? Then seek him. See, what God has promised in his word is that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. We see this in Romans 10, verse 13. And so, dear friends, if today you see your great need for the Savior, the bread of life, your eternal need, the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you, then let me remind you that we have a great Savior for our need who was promised again and again, as he says in verse 35, that whoever comes to him shall not hunger. So are you hungry? Are you done making this life about you? Do you see your need for life that endures? Young men, are you done yet making this life about the money you make, the things you have, and the women you chase, and making your life about seeking Jesus? If that is true of you, then seek him. Call upon the name of the Lord and genuinely seek him. Stop playing around with church. Go somewhere else if that is the focus. But if we long to be the church in a way that moves us and causes us to seek Jesus genuinely, then it's not going to be about coming in here and and finding all the things that we want. Do do we have the right coffee? Is the music loud enough? Is it good enough? Are the lights bright enough? Is this all of how I want it to be? No, it's never going to be that here. In fact, I promise you, if this is your first Sunday here next week, it's going to be probably just as bad because we're not going to meet all your expectations because that's not the life we're looking to help you pursue. But to help you pursue the life that endures to eternal life. So are you going to walk away from here dissatisfied in some of the physical things? Yeah, absolutely. Welcome to a broken world with people with all kinds of opinions and ideas. But can we walk away with the truth and the promise of seeking Jesus for who he is? Yes. And so let me remind you, friends, we have a great savior for our need who has promised us again and again as he says in the text, whoever comes to him shall not hunger. And see, some of you are here this morning and you're starving. And every time you try to seek out what is mere physical material, and not just food, but all of those substances that that you hope will satisfy, you just grow more hungry. And so this morning, if you see your great need for your Savior, let me tell you that you have a great Savior for your need, that you need only to seek Him to call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this morning, church, as we come to a close in this time, we're gonna close by really examining this question in our lives. Am I truly seeking Jesus? Am I truly seeking Jesus?
Let's pray.